Hey everybody, welcome back to Half Hour Power. I'm Joe. Brandon is here. Yo, yo, Joe. What do you know? I think we made it. But we're not done yet, are we? <laughs> no, far from done. <laughs> we still got a few Frankenstein movies after this one, but this is the finale of this series. Well, it's the finale of October, I should say. Not really this series, because there's a two, maybe three more we were going to do that we couldn't fit in. Yeah. But also, too, you got to remember, too, I mean, nobody really cares about November. That's true. We don't. We don't care about November at all. In fact, we wish we could rename November October and just have a longer October, right? Yeah, most definitely. Because if you notice, it will go from October, Halloween, to Christmas. That's it. If you look in the stores, they really don't have too many Thanksgiving things up. That'd be great. (laughs) That would be great. Great. But here we are. We're going to do The Bride of Frankenstein here. This is, I mean, really, you could uh, put, you could edit this in with Frankenstein. And it's one movie. It's perfect. It's basically a part two. Yeah. Um, so what is this one about? This one is actually it's about. What I think it's about is it's about Frankenstein's Bride. <laughs> well, you fell into the, that trap, didn't you? Are you trolling me? Is that what they say now? You're trolling me? Yeah, I'm trolling you. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. But here we go. Here's what the synopsis says. <laughs> Mary Shelley reveals the main characters of her novel survived Dr. Frankenstein. Goaded by an even madder scientist, builds his monster a mate. Yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. So this so one actually has a lot of elements from the uh, book. More than just building the female. Yeah. Um, And let me see, before we get too far into this, um, you know what? I I listened to the show that uh, Jesse and I did on this. Mm -hmm. I believe we did that one in 2019, so that's more recent than the uh, last one. Okay. So I don't know how much the Rotten Tomato scores changed, but... Let's look at this. What What is your guess for uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics score? Critic score for the popularity of the movie as I got Frankenstein wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I'm going to say that the critic scores gave it an 86. Ouch. You are <sighs> offending me again. <laughs> Highly offensive. Oh my goodness. What was the score? 98. 98? 98 as of 2023. I don't know what it was in 2019, but I'll know once we put these two shows together and listen to them. So, so wait. Um, so what is the audience score? 100. Well, it should be. Shame on the audience for this low score. How low is the score? 87. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's 87. So 
There's so a lot of crazy. for the critics. That uh, made me closer. Yeah. And I could have 86. It would have made me closer for the audience score. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there we go with that bit of fun out of the way. Thankfully. So, okay. So um, now I don't believe we talked about this on the 31 Frankenstein show, but uh, did you see that Frankenstein before the Bride of Frankenstein or did you see the Bride of Frankenstein before that one? No, I've seen the 1931 Frankenstein first before I've seen the Bride of Frankenstein. And what, uh, how long after the 31? Do you recall how long after that it was? Uh, you see the 31, you're like, man, I got to see the next one. I'll say probably like a week or so after the first one, so not too long. And do you remember what your uh, impressions were at that time? Have they changed much, if you can recall? No, I didn't change too much. So what do you what, what do you give this movie? You, you recommend it? You love it? Me oh, yeah. And it. Yeah. I recommend it. I mean, it was a it was kind of like I think what they when they when they came out with Frankenstein in 1931, you know, I think they was trying to get stuff out there, but then it seemed like when they did The Bride of Frankenstein, they kind of went back to the source material and put a lot of things that they didn't have in the original Frankenstein because I like the opening when they had Mary Shelley and Lord Byron and uh, her husband in the beginning. Yeah. Like that was, she was telling the first story, you know what I mean? Yeah. That. Oh yeah. Um, now there's another scene in here that I've been talking about. We've been talking about that. We're wondering how come it's not in more movies. It's in this movie. You remember the scene, right? Hmm? Oh, um, remember the scene? No, what scene are you talking about? Uh, the scene where he saves the child from drowning. Oh, yeah, in the 200 shooting, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you got that in there. You got the hut, the hermit hut scene in there. There are no kids in that scene. No, but, you know, he does mention his two, and now I like how they did that. He yeah. does mention his son and daughter oh, yeah. in, in the in the in the movie. He's like, they left me. I'm all alone. I was like, Yeah. Okay, I could take that. You know, I could take that. Yeah, I mean that was a incredibly well done scene. I've always loved that scene. And there's some some um uh, some other things that I liked about the movie was um the camera angles that they had in the movie. And I know it's kind of off of the book, but some of the scenes are a lot more or more um, to me, like scary, terrifying looking scenes that mostly like, like with Jason and, you know, um, iconic horror movies. Cause you know, the part where uh, was it? Dr. I can never get his last name, right? Dr. Pretorius. Uh, Pretorius. He, uh, when he was entered, when he brought the monster back, uh, to Victor, well, to Henry Frankenstein, yeah, that camera angle of him coming in, when it looks like like he's taller than ever, mm-hmm. and it's very very ominous. It looked very nice. Yes, the uh, yeah, the cinematography in this, the lighting, is just fantastic. Um, so James Whale did not want to make a sequel to Frankenstein. 
Oh, really? Because he felt like, I'm not going to be able to do better than that. And <laughs> to many, 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 many people, he did do better than that, um, including me. How about how about you? Did Is this oh, one better than the 31 Frankenstein? It is. Uh, and I say, and I, and I gotta, I gotta say why because I know some people are gonna be like, "What you said, you love it." I do, but this one is more kind of book driven, I'm gonna say. And two, you know, it, it was, it was, it had a great story to it, you know. Yeah, it really wasn't just the stone together and and then pitchforks and fires all day, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. James Well had a lot more creative freedom on this one. Um, creative control, also. Um, so you had that, and I, he probably wouldn't have done it if he didn't get that control. I'm glad he that control, because yeah, yeah. So I mean, in between uh, Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. James Whale made the just fantastic The Old Dark House, which you've seen that, right? Uh, I don't think I have. Oh, ouch. Um, (laughs) And uh, there's one more. You want to guess what it is? The House of Frankenstein? No. Um, <laughs> you are trolling me. Well done. <laughs> uh, the Invisible Man. <laughs> the Invisible Man with uh, Claude Rains. Okay. He made that one. So there's two. I mean, he's got Frankenstein, The Old Dark House, The Invisible Man, and The Bride of Frankenstein all in a row. All of those are near perfect movies they're just fantastic in fact if you wanted to just have a nice marathon for uh, halloween you cannot go wrong with those four films Hmm. um i mean he made a lot of other things too but i mean that but if yeah if you haven't seen the old dark house yet brady you need to see that and uh, if you see that you go i want to do a show on that with Let's do that because that is a uh, that is fantastic. Um, Up here in a second, yeah. So you'll have to watch. It. <laughs> Absolutely, will have to watch it. So yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you got this cast is fantastic. At Una O'Connor is mini. You got even though he was killed in the first movie. You had Dwight Fry. He's back playing a different character. He got killed again. And he got killed again, which I always enjoyed that scene. It's like he he shows up. He's there. The monster comes in. He's It's in the middle of bringing the bride back to life. And yeah. What does Dwight Fry, whose character in this movie is named Carl, he picks up a torch and starts yelling at the monster. The monster chases him up the stairs, throws him down the stairs, totally ignores the other guy. So I'm pretty sure that dude was there too. His there because there was Ludwig and Carl that were stealing body parts for uh, Doctor Pretorius and uh, Henry. Yeah, 
and the monster totally ignores Ludwig. I, I kind of felt like that scene was there just as kind of, yeah, here you go. Here's your death scene. And Mr. Fry. <laughs> uh, what do you think about that? That was hilarious. Because when I, when I knew that, that that was the white fry, <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait, wasn't he just Fritz? And then <laughs> he kills him on top of the tower. I'm like, dang. And the right fry got it bad. Like, he died in Dracula. <laughs> yeah, he died in that. But, I mean, he's it. very memorable in every part. He is. In every part. Uh, so, we have a different Elizabeth in this. A different actress, yeah. Yeah. Um, she's good. Does a good job in this. Um, I think the other lady had some scheduling conflicts, if I remember that correctly. That's uh, why she was replaced. Uh, now, they, I mean, there's kind of sad things here. Colin Clive, his alcoholism got worse in between Frankenstein and this movie. But James Whale did not want to recast. Um, he thought his manic manners, his manic the way he was was perfect, so he kept him in there, and he died a couple of years after this movie. Colin Clive. You know, now as you say that, you can look at the movie, and you can kind of see a little bit, and but, not yeah. the doctor, but the the scenes where he's talking to Doctor. Why can I not say his name? Doctor Pretorius. I want to keep saying Doctor Panassis. Oh. But... <laughs> But Dr. Pretorius, you can see him, uh, the way he's sitting in the chair is kind of like he's having to withdraw. But, you know, hey, that yeah. might have been his. Well, he, he, Elizabeth, so, you know. Yeah. He he also had, there was some kind of an accident where he hurt his leg. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he had, he'd actually hurt himself. Oh, and, yeah, and a lot of his, uh, a lot of his scenes where he was sitting down. I mean, when I was watching the movie, I didn't really notice that he was. Well, down. Yeah, you don't notice it until somebody tell you. Yeah, so you know, then you look up some things about the movie and read about the movie, and I, you know, I watched a documentary about the movie. They pointed well, that out. Like, oh, okay. But one thing I was intrigued about was it was an artificial brain. Yeah, I mean that's that's the cool thing. Pretorius grows his life. That he created. He creates the little little people little in the bottles. Yeah. Which is just really cool. So yeah, he grew the brain. But he couldn't he didn't grow everything, did he? He grew like vital organs, right? Um to an extent, because they said I had to go get body parts. Yeah, they so they got a body, right? And they took the brain out of it and he grew a new brain. <laughs> which uh, I always thought that was pretty cool. Um, a whole bunch of going around. Oh, yeah. And somebody else is in this movie. John Carradine. John Carradine plays one of the two hunters that uh, shows up at the hermit's cabin looking for uh, rest and sees the monster there. And see, there again... You know, we keep going back to most of the Frankenstein monsters in the movies don't look monstrous enough. If you were to go to the a hut and look in there and see the monster sitting there, 
Yeah. He looks he looks monstrous. <laughs> Even though he's not doing anything to hurt the the hermit. He's sitting there smoking and <laughs> stuff. And those are great scenes when he talks. Um which uh Karloff did not want the monster to talk. He thought that it was not gonna work right for the character. Well, what do you I mean, think? Did it work? I mean, if you think yeah. this movie's better than the first one, you think it worked, right? Yeah, it worked to me because of the fact that, you know, he he talked in a book, you know? Yeah. And he met with the hermit, so them, him meeting him in, his, in the hermit's cottage or cabin, you know, that would have been like, if he didn't come out talking, even though there's small words, it's not a lot. Yeah. That, it, it still would have been like, uh, but, you know, they kind of stuck to the book, but not too fully, like, you know, any other movie right now. But, yeah. I'm glad he did talk. Yeah, and it's it works perfectly for this movie. Perfectly. Um, you also have a full score for the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, Franz Waxman composed that. That score. You have, I mean, just a lot to like about this. I can't really think of anything that's like, well, that doesn't quite work. This well, is one, one of those for me. It's like, this is just like a perfect movie. Well, one thing I like that they did was when they did the opening credits for the movie, they had the, uh, the Monsters Bride credited question mark. Yeah. 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 So uh, who played uh, the bride? Which is funny. It it was Mary Shelley in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, what's her name? Name is <laughs> uh, Lancaster. Elsa Lancaster. Yeah. Now I'll I'll really put you on the spot. Who was she married to? Like in real life. Yeah. David Lancaster. That's right. Charles Lawton. Great job. <laughs> Great, Great wait, job, Brandon. Ain't uh, that the of, wait, isn't that the owner of Universal Pictures? No. Oh, that's Carl. <laughs> Carl Emley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on you, Joe. Yeah, exactly. I, I know. That was... Uh, <laughs> That was I was not ready for that. I know you weren't. I I know. So shame on me for that. But uh, yeah, Charles Lawton made he directed one movie, and he was quite a got quite a list of acting. He's in the uh, the Island of Lost Souls. He plays Doctor Moreau, which that one is fantastic. So, Brandon, if you haven't seen that one, you need to see that. No, I saw it. He also played the uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Which that's a pretty good version too. It's like 1939, 1940. That's nice. There's a lot of movies. And he directed one movie, Night of the Hunter. Night of the I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, which wow. If you haven't seen that, it's a wow movie. It's like wow. You know, if I had directed that movie and that's the only thing I would have directed, I would never direct again because it was so good. Like I will never. It's it's almost like James Whale finished Frankenstein. I could never make a Frankenstein movie as good as that. Yeah. Except James Whale did 
go on and make one. So I don't know, maybe Charles Lawton would have made a better movie than Night of the Hunter, but Night of the Hunter is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so this, this obviously is the second in the Frankenstein series of Universal. Karloff went on to play the monster one more time. And I'm wondering, uh, at some point, Brandon, uh, we, it seems like we ought to finish out the uh, Universal Frankenstein movie series and go ahead and do the Son of Frankenstein, the Ghost of Frankenstein, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, and House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. What do you think? Yeah. Should we do that at some point? Yeah, House of Frankenstein was awesome. That's like the pinnacle. Is that your favorite one? Yeah, the House uh, of Three mashups yeah. they did: Frankenstein meets a Wolfman, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. Of course, if well, you wanna, if we want to lump in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein with that, we can. No, now, that's a, that's a separate show by itself because you got the uh, Costello with Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, yeah, Wolfman. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, we might go ahead and do that. Um, what do you want to tell people about the uh, Bride of Frankenstein that we haven't discussed yet? Um, hurt. I don't understand why she hissing at him and why she didn't like him. Well, her brain was like grown, but it didn't make sense because it's called the Bride of Frankenstein, and she really wasn't a bride. Well, her uh, husband would have been Henry then. Oh, uh, you know what? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I, I could yeah, I could not help myself. No. You knew what I meant. I know what you meant, but that's not what you said. So <laughs> there you go. You got that. Uh she did that because um when her and uh, Charles would feed swans, if you got too close to the swans, they would hiss at you. They were either swans or goose geese. But this this is my only thing so, though. He decided you, to do that, put the hissing in there. But if you think back to to the movie, okay, there were swans, yeah. <laughs> if you when she when she meets uh, Frankenstein and she meets Parnassus, um, I still can't say his name. Pretorius. Uh, Pretorius. She don't hiss. Yeah, but they don't have a a flat head and a burned face. But I mean, I like I like how she was moving in the movie. Yeah, she, she was, you know, like a robot technically. Yeah, yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, it, and the famous the what, what does she stick her hand up? And... Yeah, yep, that's right. <laughs> well. Uh, this is one of those uh, rare uh, there's more of them than I think but you know for me this is this is a perfect one of the perfect horror movies just yeah. everything yeah. every single piece came together and is fits together and makes a perfect picture Um, I think we're done with this right now what do you think Brandon anything else Oh, the the we gotta talk about the the death scenes. The death scenes. Well, the death scene, I should say. Which death scene? Well, when he tells Frankenstein, "Go, go live," 
and he takes Frankenstein takes him and his wife and runs out, and he tells yeah got the bride and um, yeah because he gets you know we, we I think we said this on the other show he this one might be the angriest monster uh, and after having seen this one I don't know he's got he's got moods he's a well-rounded creature he's he's like not just angry but when he gets angry he's angry so he really was upset when the uh, bride hissed at him and rejected him. And he's like, well, I guess we're all dead. Of course, then he'd be more angry at Pretorius because it was Pretorius's idea. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, true. But yeah, I mean, that's a great scene when he's like, you get out of here because he was going to uh, overload the equipment, and blow it up. Yeah, blow up the tower. And that is a great sign. Uh, a great line we belong dead when he looks at Pretorius and, and the bride is right there and then she does her final yep and blows up blows up it was great <laughs> but all in all it was it's a must see movie absolutely if you call yourself a horror fan and you have not seen this you are not a horror fan that's right. That's right, Brandon. I went there. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of comments from that now. You are not a horror fan if you have not seen this. They're gonna get um, you. Should we go a little bit farther? How farther? Um, if you don't like this movie, you're not a horror fan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's too much. <laughs> Film is all subjective. But... Get a lot of on that one. Oh, yeah. Watch this, give it a shot, and now we're gonna step back and uh, let me from a few years ago and Jesse from a few years ago talk about The Bride of Frankenstein, of course, combining a show that we had done and uh, ending up on October. But we will be back with a few more Frankenstein shows in the beginning of November so that we can ultimately figure out which one for us is the closest to the book. What do you say about that, Brandon? What do you think? Does that sound good? That sounds great because the only one right now by far is Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> that blows. I did not expect that. I did not. I, I don't know. I don't know what I expected, but I, I was not. Because when we were going into this, I didn't know that movie existed. So I'm actually pretty happy we found that. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you all next time. Later, guys. Hey, everybody. Joe here. Welcome back to the half hour of power. Jesse, you there? I am here. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. Well, I was having some technical difficulties. It wasn't going to let me connect, but I uh, got connected, so so there. <laughs> then I took a drink, and it went down the wrong pipe, and I started coughing. So, <laughs> all right, I... Of course, then when we tried to do this show uh, last week, uh, that got messed up too. So we're finally getting to do this show. <laughs>
Okay, so this show's been a long time coming. I'm um, looking back. I'm kind of surprised we hadn't done it yet. Yeah. Aren't you? I, I am too. Uh, I'm very shocked. But we have done the first one in this series. So you can go back to the archives and listen to that one. Mm-hmm. I, of course, I'm talking about uh, Frankenstein, the 1931 Frankenstein, and uh, this show being The Bride of Frankenstein, uh, one of the greatest horror movies of all time, anytime, anywhere. And uh, since we do have this discussion from time to time on uh, our show about odd things people say about movies like, well, it was good for its time. Yeah. This movie is good for... This movie's good for its time and all time. Yeah. Well. So anybody that likes, I don't like to use that phrase. It was good for its time. It was a good movie for its time. Yeah. Uh, which uh, you know just always makes me wonder. It's like, well, when is it? When is it not its time anymore? Because now it seems to me we're uh, 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 the way people are writing about movies from the eighties. They're yeah. thinking those are not good for their time anymore. Those are like these ancient. Classic uh, movies that nobody remembers. I mean, it's just weird reading about uh, some of these articles that people write about this stuff. Well, uh, I think the difference, though, is that uh, they look back at those 80 movies and they're like political correctness. Uh, you know, most of those movies from the 80s, none of those are politically correct uh, for today's time. So I, I think that's what uh, they're coming <laughs> from for those. Uh but you know, you saying that, and I think of Bride and Frankenstein. I, you know, I can almost see watching this movie with a twenty-year-old or a teenager, and then just asking, "Why don't they just sign up Frankenstein for plenty of fish or OK Cupid if you need the wife?" <laughs> some of them actually might. I mean, you're not. Some of them actually might say that. Yeah, yeah. So. They might say that, uh, and that's. That's kind of sad, but uh, but anyway, let's see. What do you think this movie has on the Rotten Tomatoes? I think the last movie we did had nothing on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, uh, what do you think this it has? Had, it did, but it had very little. Uh, but if this movie's not at a hundred percent, I I think that's a uh, crime against nature. Okay, so which side for you needs to be a hundred percent? Does it need to be the critic side or the audience side? Oh no, it needs to be both. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Uh, so uh, the uh, okay, guess the critics' number first. Okay, I'm going to say the critics' number is probably 87. Okay, uh, the critics' number is 100. percent So, what is the audience number? Good. Uh, 94. 87. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So here on the uh, Rotten Tomato screen for Bride of Frankenstein, it has a little synopsis for the critics consensus: an eccentric, mm-hmm. campy, technically impressive and frightening picture. James Whale's Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, has aged remarkably well. So I've, I mean, I'm beginning to wonder: do people just throw around that term campy? At anything nowadays. Well, I don't think it's campy. 
Because uh, I don't, I don't think it's camp either. And uh, you and I both rewatched this movie very recently for this uh, show. Yeah. Um. So I mean, does that mean we now have to go and define camp? What do people mean when it's camp? I mean, the, I think the first thing I think of when people say camp is the '66 Batman show. Yeah, that's campy. That's so camp to me. Is, is does camp have a broader definition for other people? Uh, yes. You know, uh, I listened to a podcast where they were talking about the, the definition of the camp, and uh, all of them had kind of a different definition. For it, uh, so they all could agree on the movies uh, to a point uh, because they couldn't agree on what camp was. It's like, you know, honestly, I'm old enough now. I'm in my 40s. Uh, I don't I don't want to label things anymore. I'm just going to watch it. If it's a good movie, it's a movie. It's a, uh, if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. If it's a bad movie, it's a bad movie. That's the only thing I want to label movies with anymore <laughs> because it's, it's gotten too complicated. It's gotten too complicated. Oh, it has. People have overly complicated everything, every single yeah. thing. And that's that's one of the refreshing things to me about this movie. I mean, it's very simple. Yeah. The monster demands yeah. a mate. It's right there on the poster. I mean. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, there's uh, it's a simple movie, but there's some big ideals in it. I mean, uh Oh, there is. Yeah, there's a lot in this movie. Um, I mean, well, we can talk about uh, the uh, set design. We can talk well, about, you know, just the production of it. But then when you get into the script and the ideas, there's yeah. a lot in there. A lot of big, uh, big ideas in there. I, I think the first thing um, we can talk about, and of course. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be very obvious what I'm going to say is that we need to talk about uh, the actors, and you know, of course, the two the, who I consider the two best actors in this movie, of course, is Karloff. Forrest Karloff as Frankenstein, he always brings it. Uh, the other day, I saw somebody was wanting to report about who was their favorite uh, Frankenstein was, and so I posted on face my Facebook page and. Uh, a lot of people were saying like, oh, well, Peter Boyle, Young Frankenstein, and things like that. Uh, but it's all those answers are false. The only real answer is Boris Karloff, and the only reason that Boris Karloff <laughs> is the right answer is that every other Frankenstein aped him. Every, yeah. Peter Boyle, was, uh, he was aping Boris Karloff. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. I agree with that. But yeah. So there is no other Frankenstein in my mind. It's Boris Karloff and everybody else is trying to be Boris Karloff, except the Nero. I don't know what Robert De Niro was doing in that crap movie, but uh, I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. And uh the second actor who I think uh just blew it out of the water is of course Ernest uh Dessinger, I think his last name is, who played Doctor Pretorius. The Sigur I don't know how to lot. pronounce that. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, he I did. He I was amazing know. in it. Amazing. And uh, we just watched a movie not too long ago that we did a show on, The Ghoul, where he was he he again was amazing in that. It makes me uh, want to try to find other movies he's yeah. in. I know he's in the old Dark House. 
Oh but yeah, I, that's that's it. Yeah, that's another uh, James Whale picture. Yeah, he is so fantastic in it. Uh, but I love the scene. Uh, of course, if you've not seen Brighter Frankenstein, go see Brighter Frankenstein 40. Listen any further. But if you haven't seen Brighter Frankenstein, I think there's something wrong with you anyway. So. Uh, <laughs> yes, there is something wrong with you. Uh, the scene where uh, Pretorius is sitting in the crypt and uh, his assistant, who was played by Dwight Fry, uh, I can't remember his character's name in it. Do you remember who, uh, what his character's name was? Gluck. He was Carl, Carl Gluck. in this one. Yeah. And uh, they all – Carl's just left after he's stolen uh, – and basically him and Pretorius have set a plot where Carl is going to kill some people to get body parts. Yeah. Which I thought was quite – I was like, oh, well, all right. That, 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 that's some dark stuff. But he leaves. Pretorius stays there, smokes a cigar, and is talking to the dead – the skulls. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Frankenstein walks in, and he turns around and looks at him. And he has no shock, no amazement. He, it's yeah. like, oh, Frankenstein's here. <laughs> yeah, he's not surprised at all. Yeah, I knew I you were there. Mm-hmm. That's a what fantastic a scene. scene. He's He's got many, there's many scenes in that. The lighting in this is amazing. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, James Well did a fantastic job in all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, his yeah. and the team he put together to... The team that came together to make this movie. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those movies that everything came together. I mean, this is... Um, the first one is really, really good, and we've talked about that on the, the show. Like I said, we did a show on it, but this one is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Than that. Uh, John J. Maskell's, uh photography is beautiful. It's, uh, it seems a little bit darker than the original. Yeah. Uh, there's hardly any daylight scenes in this movie whatsoever. It seems like to take 90% at uh, dark, in the dark. I think the only scenes in daylight involve the monster running from the uh, villagers and where he meets the yes. blind uh, man. Uh, yes, that, that, I mean, that's another fantastic scene. Um, uh, you've read the book, right? I read the book, yes. Yeah, so I've read the book. We all know that that's all this. Most of this is actually in the book. The whole premise of the Bride of Frankenstein is actually in the book. The mm-hmm. whole, a lot of that stuff they didn't yeah. use. Um, so I mean, it just seemed. But James Whale didn't want to do this movie, did he? He he uh, he said something about he thought he'd done everything he could with it, or something like that, or he'd yeah um, done the idea too. But uh, Carl mm-hmm. Limley. Uh, after the success of the Invisible Man, which is another uh, excellent, excellent movie, James uh, again of that era and any era again, <laughs> it's a good movie. Then it's still a good movie. Uh, the effects mm-hmm. in that one are amazing too. Uh, that, oh, yeah. He just was like, well, he's the only one that could do it, so they they finally got him to uh, agree to do it. Yeah, and they're right. They're they were right. He, he is the only man to do uh, to this, and I like the fact that they gave him kind of total control. 
they really didn't step yeah. in and make any kind of decisions for him. He, they let him have it, uh, and he let go. Now, you know, uh, uh, you did watch the documentary uh, that's on the Bride of Frankenstein disc, correct? Yeah, I did. Uh, and I, I, it could be true, but you know, I don't really look at movies this way. But they're talking about how uh, Torius was kind of a uh, what's the word I'm looking here for a uh, flamboyantly gay man <laughs> in the movie. Um, but I, I I didn't get that. I don't think that that character was interested in that kind of. Uh, he was interested in that kind of, kind of thing. He was interested in heterosexuality anyway. He was really more interested in making his experiments. And um, the experiment that he was doing, which still amazes me to this day, uh, is that he was making those little people. Yeah, he. Uh, what did he say he did? He actually grew them, right? Yes, he grew them. He didn't stitch them together like uh, Dr. Frankenstein had. He had actually grew them out of something, and they were alive. But he, but he can only – they five. can only grow so big, right? Yeah. He, he, they, they yeah, I see – yeah, I mean, if you just watch the movie, I, I mean, I suppose you could think that uh, – I saw that in the documentary too. I mean, I suppose you could think that he is. Because uh, didn't they say in the documentary they thought he might be in love with uh, Doctor Frankenstein? Yeah. That, I, yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't think that was. I guess that could be there. I guess if you if you wanted to be, I suppose it could be there. But if, I don't think it's. For me, it's not there because I don't see that in the movie at all. I didn't see him uh, fawning over the. Dr. No. Frankenstein at all. Uh, no. I didn't see any of that. I just, I just don't understand why people feel the need to say that that's in there all the time in everything. Right. Could, I mean, what people should do is um, watch the movie Gods and Monsters, Yeah, uh, which is based on James Will life, and they, they show a scene behind the scenes of uh, Bride of Frankenstein, and um, those <laughs> – those that actor was a gay man, and so was James Well. But you get the feeling yeah. that James Well didn't want him to uh, uh, camp it up that way. I guess you say because because uh, he has that great line where he goes, "Oh, we post people who still imagine that we did our hair and makeup as well." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah. you two queens." <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a and that's also a fantastic movie. Yeah, oh, that's a great movie. Gods and Monsters is great, but. Uh, I didn't get that. From, I didn't get that from his character. I thought his character did, just didn't care about that stuff. He he cared about yeah the experiment, and he was willing to yeah, do whatever that's he could to do. Yeah, that that's usually what I get from movies like this. Is the the mad scientist is usually way too preoccupied with their work, with right. their experiments, uh, with the results of that, uh, more than anything, more than eating even. I mean, I mean, to a point, he he starts blackmailing Doctor Frankenstein because yes, he kidnapped his uh, wife. Uh, yeah. Well, he has he has the monster do it, but uh, <laughs> but I always one of the things that uh, the biggest mu- uh, mystery to me in that movie, and 
I love the movie, and it's, it's not even a major part of the movie. I always wonder what happened to those little people. Did they were they in the explosion with them and died, or are they oh. running through the world now? Well, yeah, because he left. He, well, I mean, he left them at his house, right? He didn't take them to the lab with him. Right. Right. So, did they bust out of those? Because uh, you could see they could get out because the king was always busting out because he wanted to. They highly implied that he wants to go have sex with his queen. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, he kept trying to keep putting back in because uh, Doctor Torius make he made a king, a queen, a devil, a ballet uh, dancer who, and what was the other one he made? He made one more. I can't remember what it was. But a I, mermaid. What, what an amazing uh, next movie that would have been. Instead of uh, focusing on Frankenstein, you could focus on those little things running through the woods. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yeah. They'll never do that. They're unfortunately they're too preoccupied with all this uh, 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 remakes and reboots and redo this and that. And, uh, yeah, they can't take pieces I, from movies and make movies out of that. They got to keep redoing the yeah. whole movie over and over again. And nowadays, if they remake Frankenstein, they, there would be no Dr. Pretorius. It would be like I Frankenstein with uh, him becoming a cop, you know, the monster becoming a cop. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're probably right about that. Which it, It's a weird thing to say, but modern audiences are so in level with the monsters that no matter what the monster does, the monster is a hero, you know, because they identify with him. Which Frankenstein is the easiest monster to feel uh, like a sadness or pity for. Uh, I guess the wolf yeah. could also be like, ah, that's not his fault. It's a curse, you know. Uh, yeah. Which is why I always love Dracula the most. Because Dracula, that's just pure evil right there. And, you know, there's no way – if somebody can identify a Dracula, then there's a problem with him. You know what I mean? Because he's, uh-huh. he's evil. But uh, mm-hmm. that's the one thing I like – uh, that pity and sadness is one of the reasons why Brighter Frankenstein, I think, works so well. It's because you really feel for the monster. He just wants a friend. He just wants somebody to, you know, uh, be with. Uh, and that's why he he needs a, he wants a bride. He wants to have love because no one loves him uh, except that blind guy. That well, blind guy um, seems to be pretty cool with him. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, would uh, the monster have demanded a bride if Dr. Pretorius hadn't have uh, suggested it to him? You know what? That that is a good uh, – that, that, that's smart thinking because – but, you know, I think if the monster would have been kind of embedded in society long enough, he would have wanted he know, might something have, like yeah. that. Because that, he would have saw that as the normal you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and you know, of course, he's got a brain. He got a human brain in his head. And yeah. Uh, the question would be if if that human brain, you know, when it w- was in the other body, was you know, wanting a woman, would he would he still? That's what he would want still too, you know. But I mean, technically, yeah. it's not his brain. You know. No. <laughs> Well, just once he wakes up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, I I think one of the other things uh, 
I, I wasn't uh, quite aware of this, uh, was that uh, Boris Karloff did not want the monster to talk. Yeah. Um, he does a fantastic job with the, the monster speaking. But yeah. he felt that it would take away from what they've done mm-hmm. in the first one because the monster not talking works so well in the first one. And they don't yeah. give him uh, – he he doesn't have a lot of uh, dialogue in this anyway. And uh, I mm-hmm. think the delivery is awesome, especially when uh, he's learning to to speak with the blind yeah. man and teaching him about what's good and what's bad and what's tasty and what's – <laughs> right. You know, wine is good, uh, smoking is good, bread is good, music is good. I thought that right. was a fantastic yeah. scene there, and uh, I think he did a fantastic job uh, saying those lines, and the blind man, he was fantastic in that, too. Yeah. That's one of my favorite I, scenes I, in the movie, too, is that. I was talking to someone uh, about the movie, you know, because that's why we watch these movies. We talk, you know, I, talk, I talk to some people about it to see what other people are, what pe- other people think about it and stuff uh, before we do the show. Yeah. And I was talking to some guy, and he was talking about that scene, and he goes, "Yeah, Frankenstein, uh, the monster. Every time that blind guy said a word, he uh, he automatically knew how to say it." And I was like, "Well, they don't show the transition of time between, you know." The first scene with him and the blind guy, and the second scene. So we don't know how how much time yeah. has transitioned. Uh, but so he could have been working on that with him for a while, and we just don't see that. Uh, so I mean, I don't. That's not that's not a problem for me. I I think a. Uh, I don't think the movie has any flaws, really. I don't. I really don't believe it does. Uh, even. Because kind of to me, the blind guy scene is kind of like a further uh, examination of the uh, scene from the original where the little girl, where the little girl is trying to teach him. And she teaches him something, and he misinterprets it wrong. Uh, So kind of like the blind guy scene, those those guys busting in and telling, you know, they're yelling, monster. The blind guy's like, no, he's my friend. And he's like, no, he's a monster, you idiot. Can't you see? And the guy goes, no, he's blind. He's like, oh, well, he's a monster, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, it was, I mean, if, uh, that's funny, too, because if, if nobody ever said anything about the monster being a monster or uh, yelled, oh, no, or, or anything like that, yeah. or ran at him with pitchforks, uh, the monster would have just wandered around and been fine and not attacked anyone. And he could have learned, and he could have, Probably uh, become a better person in that way. I, I did like it when the uh, blind man touches him. And he goes, "Oh, you're chilled to the bone. Let's start a fire." I'm like, "That's funny." <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's an, that's that's an amazing scene. I love every scene with uh, er, uh, Ernest Dessinger uh, with him and Colin Clive. Which uh, Poor Colin Clive didn't uh, live too long after this movie. Uh, he died in a uh, car accident, I believe, or was he? Uh, no, he died of a uh, liver failure, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, something like that. I can't remember. I, I'd have to look it up to know for Let sure. Let me see. I got it right here. Let me see. Uh, pneumonia as a result of a long history of alcoholism. He died uh, June twenty fifth, nineteen thirty seven. Yeah, not too long after this movie was done. Uh, oh yeah, he was thirty-seven. Yeah, 
So he died pretty young. Him and Dwight Fry both didn't live too much longer after this movie. Uh, both were alcoholics. So yeah, well, it's, it's kind of funny too because uh, Dwight Fry was in the first one as Prince, mm-hmm. and he's in this one as Carl. Right. right. Nobody played Igor till Bela Lugosi, uh, which is the yeah, name we it's know funny it that. Yeah, which is what everybody thinks uh, Fritz is in the first one. They think he's Igor. Well, he's not. <laughs> All right. All right. He's not. That was until Bela Lugosi did it. Uh, oh, and I, uh, Elsa Lanchester, who is great as the bride, I also love her scene in the opening where she's playing Mary Shelley. Oh, yes. That, I thought that rap, that was fantastic that they put that in there. Yeah. That was a good scene. Uh I I I uh, love how much of a, a bitch uh, Lord Byron is. <laughs> oh, Mary Shelley, will you tell us another story? Frighten oh. me to the bone. <laughs> he almost oh, that's just fantastic, because he uh, he was kind of a bitch. He <laughs> 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 just cracked me up. He was like, he he sounded like he was being so sarcastic and so. Uh, oh, you're such a great storyteller, Mary. <laughs> you know. And Percy, uh, uh, yeah. I think Percy even tells you to calm down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, recently they have been talking about, and I think this is finally, they're not doing it, talking about remaking this movie. And uh, uh, it was supposed to be a part of the Dark Universe, which they royally screwed that up. Yeah. With uh, that Mummy movie, which that was just a big misstep. So thankfully it looks like I haven't found anything that they're moving ahead with it. It looks like it's just shelved forever. Mm-hmm. So right. thank you. Thank you. Well, <laughs> uh they already kinda of, didn't they remake this movie in the eighties uh, with uh Sting? I I wouldn't call that a remake, would you? Would you call that a remake? No, but I wouldn't call it a remake, but there is a, a film that the same uh, similar story where uh, he makes a uh, a bride. It's called the bride. Uh, well, yeah, it's called he, the bride. It's uh, it came out in 1985. It has uh, Clancy and, Brown, Jennifer Beals, um, was right. uh, and the little guy David Rappaport, right? Yeah, it's a good movie. I thought that was a oh, that was a fantastic movie too. But I mean, it's. Yeah. Really, nothing like the Bride of Frankenstein. The only similarity in it is there's a Doctor Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, and a bride. I mean, that's about it. Yeah. It's not really but, a yeah. remake of that movie at all. I. What's what's the word that they keep using for movies like that now? Where it's like, well, yeah, it's the Bride of Frankenstein. But <laughs> it's it's a, not the Bride of Frankenstein. It's a reimagining. It's a reboot. It's a this. Uh, it's a blah blah blah. Yeah. So reimagining. That's enough of, of that. I, but I, I I did enjoy enough. that movie. That is a good. Yeah, I thought that was a good movie too. Uh, maybe we'll have to do a show on that movie. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. it in a little while, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, watch it again. But yeah, but the Bride of Frankenstein. I, I would say that there's two movies from the Universal. Series of horror films that uh, yeah. I think are two perfect movies. You can't you can't make those movies any better. You can show them today, 
and people would still enjoy them. And yeah. I think those two movies are The Bride of Frankenstein and uh, Evan Costello Beat Frankenstein. <laughs> I, I, I truly believe those are two perfect movies. You can't make those any better than what they are. Yes. Yeah, Dylan's fantastic. So, uh, okay, so we're here at the end. So that's your final thought. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, All right. Um, my final thought would be, uh, uh, I think we've already said this. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen this, you need to see this, and um, that's all. You just you just need to watch this movie if you've not seen it. Shame yeah. on you if you've not seen it. If you're a horror movie fan and you haven't seen it, double shame on you. Uh, so you just need to go watch this right now. All right, and we'll be back next time with some more horror.